Taylor, thank you so much for coming on with us. We should let everybody know this is actually the second time we're, we're, we're chatting. Um, we <laughs> want to do back for more. Actually, we had some technical difficulties with that podcast, which we were all in love with. But we're back here again to um, rehash everything and reshare um, accurately and successfully. And honestly, I'm really kind of glad it happened uh, selfishly because I love chatting with you and I'm glad that you're back on. Last time I cried, so we're going to try. Maybe I'll try not to cry this time. <laughs> I'll cry this Maybe time. I'll cry more. Who knows? Well, I'm glad to be back. <laughs> Thanks for having me on again. <laughs> Repeat guests. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about, I think when you reached out to us, we were most compelled on the surface by the amount of money, the large amount of money that you all ended up repaying. So maybe we start there. We know now uh, that there's a lot more to your story and your journey, but I think that's a really great place to start. Sure. Well, I'm a millennial through and through, and I grew up believing that if you went to college, you'd get $100,000 as your first salary right out of school. So why not borrow a bunch of money to get there? Well, fast forward a decade and then some, we're not counting. And we all know that's not true. That's not the way the world works. But the bottom line is my husband and I woke up and found out that we had indeed by ourselves borrowed over $100,000 in student loans that we didn't need. We worked, we had parents help, we uh, went to in-state schools, we had scholarships, I did a paid internship. But when that little letter came in the mailbox and said, you're qualified for student loans, I was thrilled to take it out, just thrilled, and I did. And then we paid the consequences and we paid it all off. So that's a little background on our student loan journey. Yeah. And tell us a little bit, I think if I remember correctly, you had some fun though. And I always love asking this question, like, yes, I know that we all have like massive regrets and they don't necessarily compensate for the pain that they that's there too. But I, I would love to hear like what, where, how did that money get spent? And is there anything that you don't regret doing? Yeah, I appreciate that because you're right. There's mistakes that we've made with money and that's what I'm here to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, there are a lot of regrets there, but it was fun in the moment and a lot of things we learned from. And I just appreciate your noting that, yeah, that Fun did happen, and yeah, there were consequences. But did we have fun? Yes. Let me tell you a little bit about what we spent our student loans on. Because, I don't know if you know this, America, but after your student loans pay tuition for, at your university, the rest comes in cash in your pocket, and you can spend it on whatever you want, because cash is not traceable, right? Mm -hmm. So most responsible students take their student loans and spend it on food, Video maybe games. a computer, but we spent ours on cruises, travel, <laughs> new computers when we didn't awesome. need them. Uh, and I've actually counseled people later now that I'm on the, I'm on the good side. I'm no longer on the dark side, borrowing right. my way out. Um, that, you know, they're still paying off their student loans that they spent on fraternity dues, designer dogs, luxury wow. furniture. I mean, it's cash. And yep. a 19-year-old like myself cannot necessarily make a good decision. And we certainly we certainly did. But I I don't trust 38-year-old me with cash. I know, right? Yeah. Cash is way it's it's a horrible thing to have. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So there was no accountability with the leftover portion after the tuition was paid. 
And a perfect example of this is we were able to fund living abroad in France while I got my master's degree, thanks to our student loans. And there was there was no student loan guidance counselor saying, no, don't take that trip to Scotland this weekend. That's a student loan amount of money you're spending, right? Uh, so we had a great time living abroad. We, we loved it, but we paid for it for the next seven years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what an incredible experience, though, that you may not have gotten without doing what you did. It's true. It's true. But could we have never <laughs> done that? That said, we were working after we graduated, and could we have saved up and paid for that ourselves? Yeah, we could have. Like, let me give myself the bad news. The bad news was I took the easy way out. And if I had just been patient, just one year, if I had just waited one year and saved instead of traveling, going on cruises, I didn't buy a designer dog, but buying designer dogs, <laughs> right, right? then we could have paid for it in cash and cash flowed it. Instead, yep. you know, we did the cheap, the expensive quick way. Yeah. So, okay. Tell us a little bit about like the timeline of all this. So you take out the loans during college and then when do kids, cause I know kids come into your life quite a few, quite, quite a few. A few. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Um, so tell us a little bit about like what, how that happened. And then ultimately when you decided I've got to get this paid off and how you went about doing that, that was a lot. So maybe we start with like just a brief, like how did this all happen? Let's look at the timeline. When I went to college, I met my now husband barely into the first semester and we were new, we were getting married. So why wait four years? Let's get married while we're in college. And we did. So we had our first baby just months after I graduated. We today, fast forward, um, since that beautiful day in 2009, when we got married, <laughs> we have, I almost said 10 children. My oldest is 10. We have five children. It feels like 10 sometimes. <laughs> I bet it does. It's like exponential um, noise the more you have to. That's right. That's right. So I have a 10-year-old, an eight-and-a-half-year-old, a a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and then my baby's six months old at the time of this recording. Wow. Wow. So, okay, that's funny because I don't remember your baby being that little is it a boy or girl it's a boy his name's Opie. he's the best oh my gosh that's so sweet and i know i shared this and listeners have heard this before but our three-year-old daughter is her dream is to have five babies she wants to be you when she grows up to the number yeah and if you say like if you show some woman with like four babies she's like no no five that's amazing that is so sweet yeah so we started out our journey with like shackles around our legs, right? In student loans. And then um, anybody listening to this podcast will know by now that I have a faith background. We're believers in Jesus in my house. And so there was a lot of prayer going on at the same time. So we would be praying stuff like, God, please give us increase. But the only problem is if you're not specific, God will increase something else. So he increased our children when I was asking for <laughs> increase in salary. So every yeah. time we got a raise, it was like we had another baby, you know. So the yeah. margin in our life stayed uh, undesirably thin sure. <laughs> as we grew our family. Yeah. Yeah. As babies do to you. Yes. <laughs> it's all worth it. Don't worry about the headlines saying it costs $300,000 to raise a baby. Right. Don't worry about that. It's all worth I it. I saw that the other day. It is yeah. horrifying, isn't it? It's, it's probably not wrong. It's, it's pretty rough. And I'm like, man, we really, we, we really got to buy another car seat. Is that a necessity? All right. Yeah. It's a necessity. 
This bubble wrap is triple ply, man. <laughs> That's right. It's okay. That's right. Yes. Okay, so the babies came along, and then you decided you woke up and, and decided what was that like? Yep. So by baby number two, we had been forced to address our financial situation because as anybody with student loans probably experienced, there's a grace period after you graduate before you have to start repaying your loans in a normal atmosphere, right? Not during a a pause on student loans during a a presidential administration because that didn't happen when I was, when my husband and I graduated, there, there was no pause on having to pay your stuff back. So you have your grace period and then you have to start paying something back. And at this point, we graduated, we were out of school, and then I re-enrolled in a master's program, so our student loans still were not due, because when, um, when you're actively enrolled, then they're not due again. So this is why there was so much time between first baby and second baby, and then finally starting to recognize how much we paid in student loans. Because I didn't mention this on this podcast yet, but we were totally oblivious to how much we had spent. I thought we had spent $40,000, which was a colossal ton to me. Yeah. (laughs) I did not know it was more than six figures. Wow. And people say that would have been devastating. It was, it was, it was devastating. And so I will come back to answer your question, but just a little tangent, (laughs) you know, people will ask me, how could you possibly not have known how much you borrowed to which I answer there's literally a TV show called I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant, right? Like, yes. And then at the end of the episode, they say, and then I had a baby, no. Mm-hmm. No. right? Mm-hmm. Like, we did not have that kind of administrative focus when we were right. in our early 20s. We just simply didn't know. So anyway, when we had our son, Huck, we were done being in the grace period. We had finally finished graduating all the extra things that we had enrolled in. And we just had to start paying stuff back. So as the letters started to come, that's when the light bulb went off. And I tried to turn it off. And it just kept coming back on as each new letter arrived saying, we want more of your money, please. So anyway, wow. my daughter was two. My son was an infant. And uh, we've realized, oh, my gosh, we have $40,000 in student loans. That's what my husband said. Uh, that's not right. <laughs> and I agreed. I said, this is not right. Mm-hmm. And we found out, no, it was 77000 And then, oh, that's not right either. And wow. then the total was $156,000 we had needlessly borrowed. Wow. What did you think? What I didn't have head? a thought. Like, my brain flatlined. And it was just emotions. There was no thinking. It was just feeling. Feeling like I have doomed my children. Feeling like I've made a huge mistake, feeling like I've failed my husband. Like we're we're not ha- we're done having fun. We grew up right away, right? Um, wow. Yeah, because while my other friends who started having kids were taking them to Disney and you know renting a beach house with their family, we were trying to figure out how we could cram in extra jobs and yeah. spend yet less again on groceries to mm-hmm. try to pay these suckers off. So it was awful it was awful so for anybody who like is hit with that realization now later whenever to whatever degree it is what what is your suggestion looking back to manage that emotion in any kind of way that even resembles you know positivity or even just like 
being able to like put your hands around it and, and manage it yourself instead of feeling owned by it. Yeah. If I could give a listener out there a hug right now and tell them it's going to be okay. Uh, I would say it's going to be okay. Asterisk. The asterisk being you have to do something. Uh, you can't self care your way out of this. You know, you can't anxiety meds your way out of this. If you're in a pile of debt as we were, there's only one way out and that's paying it off. We, maybe your listeners have credit card debt. There's no cancellation forgiveness for car loans, right? There's, so whatever it is, you're, you're going to have to pay it off. And so try not to think about the whole thing. Think about the smallest thing. That's what Mm -hmm. we had to do. You know, we had 28 different disbursements and I could not think every day about 28 different loans that were due. I had to focus on the smallest thing because I couldn't pay off $40,000 in one fell swoop. I could not think about that largest loan amount, but I could think about that $600 loan and how, okay, if I pay off 50 extra dollars every other week, that'll take however long that math works out too with all the interest and stuff. So Mm -hmm. focus on what you can achieve. What does the serenity prayer say? God grant me the peace to uh, change the to know the things mm-hmm. I can change, yeah. the serenity to not change the things I can't change, and the peace to know the difference, the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, listeners, for that awful paraphrase. <laughs> <laughs> it got us there. I, I feel, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big reader of the King James paraphrase <laughs> version of all the things. <laughs> the King James cliff notes. Yes, yeah. that's, that's it. So anyway, Google serenity prayer and think about that. Like, we can't. Yeah. We can't change the law. Like, I cannot change the fact that I borrowed student loans, but I can change how quickly I pay them off. If I do some things like budget every month with my husband, if I control my spending, if I don't borrow more, if I work more or earn more, right? These are things in our control. Focus on the things that are in your control. That's what I would say to somebody who is drowning. Yeah. And I think you mentioned that you purposely did not consolidate, or you may have said, you, I don't want to, you, you use your words. How but you dare didn't, you suggest yeah. you said this. Said. <laughs> So you didn't end up consolidating. Why did you make that decision? And do you, looking back, think it was a good one? Oh yeah. I am so glad we didn't consolidate. Um, because what I learned about money is that it's not just math, it's emotional. And mm-hmm. if I had a mortgage of student loans, if I just had, you know, $1,300 of student loans for the next 25 years, that would have been awful. And that would have been a reality. But instead, we could focus on individual loans, and we could prove our power over them one at a time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been a a tactic of war for millennia to, to divide and conquer. And that's what we did. That's what we had to do. I love your mentality on that. Like the small, we can do this. We can do this. We just did this. We just did it again. Like you're, it's it's in my world of work. It's the exact same feeling. You're you're attacking these giant Goliaths. Yeah. And you have to go, hey, I got an ankle. Like I'm going to put that ankle right here. (laughs) And then I'm going to go for the knee. It doesn't really change no matter what you're doing, even if it is a savings goals and investing goals. It's like we have times where we're able to invest something big 
And then there's times when it's like, it may be something small, you know, and uh, just keep going, just keep going, just stay consistent. It's amazing how much consistency, no matter what money goal it is, and probably life goal for that matter, is so powerful. It's so powerful. I think it's really important to know yourself at this point, because I am a victim of shiny object syndrome. I love to do the next new thing. I love new ideas. I love coming up with new solutions. But guess what? Results only get done if you focus on that old, not shiny anymore thing and you finish that first. There's that project management um, technique that says if if you've got thing A, thing B, and thing C to do, you need to focus on A, A, A. And mm-hmm. only when you're done, do you move on to B. Yeah. And for us, that was the same thing with our money. Yeah. Awesome. How quickly or how slowly did you get through the pity party phase? When you, when you, when the news hits you, are we talking weeks, days, an afternoon? How, how quickly did you get into stand up and I'm going to do this? Yeah. I think it went from shock in a weekend to shame and action at the same time, right? Like my uh, self-loathing came out in a fury. And when I say wow. shame, I'm, I'm serious. Like I was yeah. um, embarrassed, mortified, just totally um, consumed by what I had done to my family. Right. Yeah. Like I yeah. said earlier, they were unnecessary student loans and they really were, they yeah. were not necessary. And so that shame that I felt at having made those terrible financial decisions that didn't just affect me, right. That's my husband who has to work extra. That's my children who don't get to do childhood things that propelled me to take action. And so those were administrative, boring things like, writing all of my debts down, our debts down on an Excel sheet. And then I printed out just three letter size pages where I had um, made a visual aid so I could scratch off, um, scratch off the loans as we paid them off. And it was super, it was super simple. I just took like each loan and then made a box in Excel and each box was a hundred bucks. And then I just visually had these like rows of boxes through the, uh, in the papers. And then whenever I'd go into our master bathroom and we could pay another one off, I scratched it out and I lived, I lived to scratch out. To scratch it out, make progress. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I have so many questions, but we'll be right here for three hours. I know, right? So, yeah. Um, (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about your, what you did and the sacrifices that you did end up making to, uh, pay off all of this debt? Like what from a tactical perspective and a work perspective and a literally going out and generating the money to make this happen? What did that look like for you all? You got it. So in the, uh, in just like you said, there were two things we could do. We could limit outgo and we could increase income. And those were the only two levers we had to function. And when it came to trying to increase our income, we really focused on what side hustles we could do while we had a bunch of little kids in the house, right? And so my husband worked Starbucks in the morning, Apple in the daytime, and melting pot at night. Can we can we pause there just for a second? Like people 
you, I've never in my life worked three jobs simultaneously. Like it's, it's an insane amount of dedication. Like, I just want to commend that on the front end. Like that is, that is true dedication across the board. With, on and with babies, I can't even imagine. Sorry. I didn't mean to stop you. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about it. And my response is, yep, it sucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, that's important to tell people like it isn't going to be fun. And a lot of this isn't fun. Starting your own business, growing your own thing, trying to get to any goal is like the the majority of it, or at least at the beginning is it's ugly. It's hard. It's like feels uh, sticky and it feels like you're doing it wrong most of the time too. I don't know if that was true for you all, but like anything that I've ever done, that's been really, really hard. It feels like in the midst of it being hard, you also have the double whammy of feeling like you aren't actually doing it right. Mm -hmm. I, I feel that. And and we had plenty of people who said, who cares? You're always going to have debt, you know, just whatever. Wow. Why, why bother doing this? And, you know, I wanted to be debt free so my children could be free. But what I didn't know 10 years ago when I was in college, whatever, was that today I would need to take care of my parents. And if I was, wow. and here, here comes, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Yeah. And if I was trapped by all those loans, could I fly down to help my mom? Could I pay for a nursing home? No, right. I, I couldn't. And was I imagining that now? No, I was imagining going on canoe trips with my dad, but instead yeah. we're arranging care for him. Could I do that if we hadn't have gone on the rampage and paid off all our loans? No, no. Yeah. I would be like, okay, mom, when you're done taking care of dad, can you take care of me? Yeah. But she yeah. needs our help. And you know what? It's it's hard to help your aging parents if you're broke. Yeah. That gives me chills. Yeah. I mean, you really did give yourself a gift. To, you gave a, a gift to your future self. And I know people talk about that a lot, but you very literally did it. And this is what that actually looks like when people talk about that. Like, you're giving yourself, your future self a gift. Like, nobody ever, or very rarely do we look back and go like, yeah, it already happened. And that's what this actually looks like in in reality. Um. Where you're sitting right now, when you look at the experience as a whole, what are your feelings about it? Do you feel it was a test? You said your your family is, is entrenched in faith and is that is that job for you? Is that is that something that was thrown on you? Or is that something that you look at with I'm sure a lot of different emotions, but how do you view it now? Yeah, how do I view it now? More like a desert season, like uh, we thought the promised land, uh, even if you didn't grow up in church, you know, the promised land is like this amazing place when you've arrived, right? Um, and I think we thought the promised land was going to be, we're married and we've got our own life and now we can do anything. And instead we we walked the desert of hard work and lots of jobs and budgeting our eyeballs out till we wanted to scream <laughs> for, you know, it took us like six and a half years to pay it all off, Um and by the way, I kept uh, brainwashing myself along the way. I was like, it's only going to take two years. It's only going to take three <laughs> years. That's the only way to do it. Lie yourself through it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was like, my yes. employer is going to double my salary. Yes. Like, of course yeah. they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was definitely a desert time. But uh, there were moments where I can look back and I know, wow, that was not me. That was something bigger than me. Like that was God. We yeah. paid, we wrote a check for an example. We wrote a check, um, out of our giving budget. Cause we, we still gave during the whole time to 
during this the whole thing. Wild. And uh, I have, excuse me, I have multiple times said how much we budgeted, but that didn't mean we were budgeting experts. That didn't mean we didn't make mistakes or forget things, right? Um, so we had written a check and then the check didn't get cashed. We had donated to um, some, um, we had donated to somebody at our church and it was months before they cashed that check mm-hmm. and That'll we do it. forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we had written the $600 check and then when it came out of our account, we were going to go negative and we were in a panic and we were ticked. Yeah. <laughs> like, God, yeah. like how could you let our giving like screw us? That's yeah. Not, that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> and then we checked the mailbox and somebody had written us a check for $605. Whoa. And they said, I don't know why I'm writing this to you, but... That's amazing. Uh, it was on my heart to write this to you. I am wow. not kidding you. That's just like brought wow. tears to my eyes. There it's, we go again. It's true. 600 That's so phenomenal. It's like uh, in, the, um, in the Hebrew Bible, God goes by many names and they tell us his characteristics. And one of them is Adonai Elroy. And that's my God who sees me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, he sees us. Wow. He sees us in the trenches and uh, he's not going to let us go hungry or be evicted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not yeah. today. <laughs> not today. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's and I have, yeah. Having the, um, an experience like that, that so quickly takes all of that anxiety and just kind of goes, it's all right here. Th- this whole thing is solved like that reminder the it's all it's all chaos right and it's not it's not your job to fix the chaos it's your job to stay true to your beliefs and stay true to who you are and let that be what it is like you you gave because you give and that's awesome right we give not because we're expecting something back but in our house we say hires or givers right my last name's hire to any Mm -hmm. of our listeners who are like that's Mm -hmm. weird hires givers (laughs) (laughs) um even if it doesn't make sense, like that's just who, that's just who we are. That's awesome. That's really that's, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And it was very tempting because everybody listening is going to be like, yeah, but seriously, like while you're, while you had these goals, I'm like, yeah, okay. It was very tempting to think like, okay, God, you can like go without this tie yeah. for a month. Right. Like yeah. it'd be great if I could throw that on this last loan. And that in itself was a exercise in diligence and in believing yeah. like, Life is not just us. It's about something bigger than us. And we got to remember that. And for people of faith, like my husband and I, we're remembering that what we have is from God. And this little 10% is just our way of recognizing that like it came from somebody else. It came from God and we're going to manage the other 90. And we're so thankful for the 90% Mm -hmm. instead of, oh man, 10%, -hmm. right? We're going to focus on the 90. Mm -hmm. I like that. So I know you've discussed like what your, your husband had was carrying this load of three jobs. I think if I remember correctly, you are also working quite hard. Do you want to share any of what you went through too? Absolutely. My challenge with working the extra jobs was um, I had children who are at home and for a lot of the last seven years have been needing their mom. Like as I breastfed children, sorry to get graphic, but it was just something that they had to be with me. So the challenge yeah. was, how do I make extra money? I don't. 
How yes. do I do this? With them. So that looked like waking up early in the morning, uh, three o'clock, so that I could teach online to kids in different countries English from 3.30 to 6.30 in the morning. Oh, my gosh. Then I'd get the kids ready, go to their daycare or their school. Then I would do my nine to five. But over my lunch break, I would go walk a dog or let a dog out that I was um, dog sitting on Rover. You can still look that app up and dog sit or get babysitting for your dog on Rover. And then on weekends, I would Uber. We, the kids would go next door to a good friend's house and she had kids. We had kids and our kids would just watch popcorn in a movie together. And I would go Uber driving, wash, rinse, repeat. Wow. Yeah. We had to have some kind of dynamite to break up the log jam. We had to add extra income. There was no way around it. There was no other way. There was no way around it. I worked for a, I, I see now that I should not have taken the job I took. I worked for sure. the I worked for the state and your your earning is capped. Like I could work yes. as hard as I wanted, I could bring as many sure. results as I wanted and my Amen. salary wasn't going to change. It just doesn't yeah, can't. I did not really get that then. And then my husband's a police officer, same deal, like you mm-hmm. can work as hard or as lazy as you want and the result is going to be the same. So for yeah. us, we should have taken better job careers. We know that now. So the only thing we knew to do was to just work more hours, hours. right? We traded time for money instead of like expertise for money. Um, I would do that differently if I had to do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you want to tell us a little bit about your perspective on that? Because I think it is really important and it's not something that you you really understand when you're younger. I know I didn't either. Like if you, I think you come out of college, especially if you're like, even slightly type A or slightly like ambitious. And your assumption is like the harder I work, the more money I'll make, which can be true in certain situations. Like corporate is really good about rewarding that. It also is a really great way to drain you really quickly if you're not also working smart. But either way, I feel like there's that perspective that you're you're talking about is is important. But can you explain to us like what does that look like for you? And when like I don't know, when did that you know, realization take place or, or what does it look like for you now? Yeah, I actually did leave that job at the state, which I worked with wonderful people. Um, I, I really enjoyed the work I was doing, but I just woke up one day and I thought this is dumb. Uh, I want to bring value. I want to bring results. And there are places who will result me or reward me for those yeah. results. I should yeah. align my career with the people who are doing those things, making those things happen. Um, so yeah, if I, if I had to go back, I would, I would change that. Um, but how did that, how did I wake up? I just, I think I was just talking to, um, an HR person or my supervisor. I I really trusted my boss, my leader. And I said like, what does this look like? And she goes, well, Um, you can have my job when I retire in 15 years. And I realized that's the only path for me here. Yeah. Yeah. I have to do this same thing for more than a decade and hopefully she retires then maybe she decides ninety is the new 70 and stays on. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which definitely could happen these days. So yeah, when we were talking about career paths. So that's one thing I would um, definitely encourage younger listeners to do is like dive into it. What does your career path look like? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When I realized, Oh, there's yeah. nothing here for me. It, uh-huh. was, it was a lot easier to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? I know you, you mentioned earlier that you do counsel 
people, families who are getting out of debt? Is that still part of your life? And what does that look like now? Yeah, you know, I, it, I can't help it. People, it's like a moth to a flame. They'll be like, yeah. oh, a zillion children and you don't have any credit cards? And I'll say, yeah. And they go, how did that happen? How do you possibly wow. live without a car note? And I go, well, just look at my 2004 Honda Pilot. That's how. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, us too. Us too. Yeah. Proud, proud old car. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just hit yeah. 200,000 yep. miles, baby. We're yeah. close. Did we hit it yet? We're like super close. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yes. So yeah, when, at what point are you guys going to change your car? I don't know. There's so many other things I'd want more. We have hobbies. We're yeah, not, car, cars are not a hobby. Of yeah, ours. there's like things in the house that I think I would do. There's vacations I'm not willing to not take while my kids are young. And it's just not, I actually asked, okay, side note, sorry, listeners. I, I was listening, I was visiting to get my uh, car fixed. And I while I was in there talking to the technician uh, or the mechanic, I was like, so by the way, like how, how like it's a 200,000 or whatever it is now. I was like, what's the biggest mileage you've ever seen on a car? And he was like, Volvo 700,000. Wow. Safe and car. I was, like, I was like, what? And he was like, oh, yeah, they bring them in. Like, it's more, it is more often than you think is what he told me. And he said that Volvo actually did, delivers you these little, like, emblem, like, stickers when you hit milestones with your miles. Milestones. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, milestones with your miles. Uh, they give you, so, like... If you ever see the round stickers, I, I think they're round yeah. on the Volvos and they have like a number or whatever they have. I'm like, y'all need to go check this out because I'm sure I'm describing it wrong. But I thought that was awesome. They actually like sort of reward you for keeping your car longer. And so maybe I'll be one of those, like one of those owners. One we day. can make some stickers. Volvo, but... yeah. Yes. Okay. Mine's a Honda, by the way. Yeah. So we can. Yes. Make yeah. a little 200K sticker. It'll be, for me, it'll be like number of miles on my car and how much debt we paid off. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So you actually reminded me of a question I wanted to ask you because we're living in it right now where we have big savings goals, but I also have this, this balance. It's a constant reminder when you have children, especially when you're not in the baby stage anymore, you've kind of like graduated out of that. And my, I'm an eight year old and it's, I'm like, Oh my God, 10 more years with them, 10 more years. That's all I get. And it's like, I literally think it must be back here because I literally will wake up thinking about it. And I'm like, <gasps> like, I'm like, it's giving me so that's to say, I'm like, I'm not willing to not go somewhere for um, a vacation or like a, sp- a spring break or a fall break or like to do something with them now. I'm like, but I only get 10 more. I only get 10 more. I only get 10 more Christmases. I'm not going to have a good Christmas. Like it doesn't have to be a ton of stuff, but like I want, you know. Um, so my question for you is like, how do you balance now? I mean, I, and by the way, like, I don't think you, I wouldn't have felt that way if I had like was in your situation with like debt, you know, and especially a couple of years ago when I was like trying to get to some savings goals. Like I was like, that made more sense to me, you know, to like deal with that first. But now I'm like, I'm not willing to give those up completely. So I guess my question for you is like, how do you balance that now that like, I, I, I want, I have these kids. I can't just like keep putting everything off. Um, yeah. Oh, it's a great question. How do we balance the goals and the needs we have for our finances with the yep. goals and needs we have with our children and our spouses? Mm-hmm. I think the first thing that I realized, and I'm learning, people people will say, oh, give me your mom tips. And I'll go, I have five kids. That doesn't make me a good mom. That just makes <laughs> me, you know, a fertile mom. Come on. Like, <laughs> people just assume I'm good at it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I'll be the first I to say, you're good at it. thanks, I bet you are. thanks. Yeah. I'll be the <laughs> first to say I learn every day and I get corrected and I realize that my thinking was wrong all the time. 
Um, so that's just my little disclaimer about parenting and, and money. Like I'm sure I've done it wrong, but when we were in debt, we had to be satisfied with, um, the fact that, okay, our children are having the best time of their lives in this Creek behind a house. Yeah. Like is, is a man in a Mickey mouse suit going to make this better? No, that's going to be creepy. Right. Like (laughs) (laughs) might make it worse. Might make it worse. (laughs) So there, there were a lot of like pulling ourselves out of the situation, stopping, comparing myself to my neighbors or my friends or whatever, who are different stages of life. Um, Mm -hmm. and like being satisfied with what we could do. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing that I really got um, convicted about and like had to correct myself on was getting used to telling my kids no. And now I'm used to telling my kids no, but guess what? I can tell them yes. So I am having to train myself to use the yes muscle after so many years of no. right? Right. So like, that's exciting. We're going on a trip next weekend. We yeah. we rented a cabin. We're going to the oh, mountains. It's going to be yeah. great. And the kids have started saying, we're going to have a yes day, mom. And oh, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Did they watch that movie? I guess. They started talking about it from friends at school. And so. Yeah. There's yeah. a movie called Yes Day. Have you seen oh, or have okay. you heard of it? No, not yes. yet. It has Jennifer Garner in it. No. Yeah. Well, it's funny because th- we watched the movie and then my kids started doing it. And I did try to do the Yes Day. It's definitely impossible. But <laughs> <laughs> just going to throw that out. It's more and of it, a movie. It, it's more of a movie. Day. Yeah. There, that show Grace and Frankie on, on Netflix. Yes. Yes. One of the characters, Frankie, describes how she and her husband, Saul, had a um, had a Yes year or something and they ended up owning a burger joint and I'm like okay, yes exactly I'm, I'm not going that far but exactly. uh, I think your original question was like how do you balance like okay are we gonna put more in our 401k or are we gonna take the kids to Disney mm-hmm. yeah um like oh let me pause and think mm, I don't make decisions on our on my family's money without my husband uh, yeah like we talk about stuff together and we today just bought a piano like yeah Many hundreds, That's so exciting. Many hundreds of dollars. And I'm like, don't you know you can get a piano for free on Craigslist? <laughs> <laughs> you but, won't regret it. That's but, great. Yeah, yeah. And he said, look, like, it's time to have some quality stuff in our life. Yeah. We, we yeah. paid in time and effort and money. Like, we don't have to take the cheap route anymore. So yep. I appreciate his um, stubbornness. <laughs> Because, mm-hmm. like, if it were just me by myself, I'd cheapskate my way out the whole time. And he's yes. making sure we invest in quality things and quality time and quality experiences. So, anyway, um, yeah, all that's my long roundabout way of saying I'm trying to figure it out. How do you balance yeah, it? Yeah. I, I need the input of my spouse. I need my children yeah. to say, yes, day, mom. And I just try to listen. It just, I don't right. know. I hope that's helpful yeah. in some way. I love it. I mean, we do the same. We're pretty much the same thing. Matt's more like, let's just do it. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I literally am like, sit there and I'm going to do it. Like, <laughs> but you need to sit there because I'm not going to do it by myself. Yeah. <laughs> and just keep telling me it's a good idea while I do it, while I make the purchase. Um, so I actually do want to ask about your parenting tips because you have five babies. So do, what are your, what's your top 
um, parenting tip that comes to mind or one or two. Oh my gosh. In what realm? In like- and by the way, it can't, that's a great question. I don't have any specific like sector of life in, in mind, but I do think it'd be interesting to hear how you're teaching your kids about money, um, but it doesn't have to be money related. Okay. Uh, my favorite parenting hack of all is if you're in a discussion with a kid and they want to do something or anything, which by the way is every single discussion. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, my favorite parenting hack is just give them options and whatever option they pick, you're good with, right? Like, so yeah. it's not, do you want to go to bed, buddy? It's, do you want to go to bed in your blue PJs or in your red PJs? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's my favorite parenting that. hack. And I use it with my dogs. I use it, yeah. you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's um, great. Yeah. I love it. Money stuff. My daughter has a lemonade stand and that has been an amazing tool for learning about money, but money like from a broader sense, because she's learning about customer service. She's learning Mm -hmm. about hard work because I mean, when you're a 10 year old and you go jump in the pool or you could sit on the hot corner of a street and schlep lemonade, like you want to jump in the pool, but she's learning, wow, I just bought a whatever she whatever she bought with her money. Um, like, and I earned all that money. So it's so sweet. That's, that's good one of the for things. her. So it's like a consistent little business that she's got going on. Oh yeah. And people are amazing. They'll drive by and they're like, I don't want that. I'm keto, but here's 10 bucks. That's <laughs> awesome. Even better. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Great. Keep your supply, keep your inventory up, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really cute. That's really yeah. cute. So is there anything like, as you look back, um, is there anything else that you'd want to say about that experience of both paying back money and then also where you find yourself today, like looking forward with where you're going to know now go to build wealth or build the future that you want, uh, the financial foundation of the future that you want, so to speak. Um, what, what is, what, where are you focused now? The thing that comes to mind is this phrase my husband, Dave, and I told each other all the time when we were getting out and we said, debt is not forever. And now I think now is not forever, right? Like we're not going to be in this horrendous real estate market forever, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're not going to have to pay for five children's college forever, right? Mm -hmm. We will, this too shall pass. And we had to encourage ourselves about debt's not forever because when we were first paying off those 28 different loans, when we were going at it really hard, the very first few months, and this goes back to something you were asking about, Matt, we didn't make a dent. Like our interest was growing faster than we could pay the stuff off. Like, so month after month for the first like 11 months, our debt was still growing. It sucked. Mm-hmm. Well, like, cause I would, I would log into Great Lakes and Navient and Sally May and all mm-hmm. of the different lenders. And I could see the balance was getting bigger. Ah, wow. So it wasn't until we paid off our first two loans that the stone started rolling downhill. Right. And so we just had to keep telling ourselves debt is not forever. We're not going to get out of this right away. We have to do this like just one foot in front of the other. And so today this crazy real estate market, Katie hire is not forever because that's the thing that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's our big goal right now is how do we buy a house in this in this market? Um, or do we, do we keep renting? Like what's the, what's the wise thing? Right. Um, yeah. And well, and it's always, I think in this world of money and, and 
so much discussion around it right now. There's also the, what, what is the wise, smart, you know, money numbers, right thing to do. Um, and then there's the, what's the right thing to do for you. Um, then it's hard when you're so in the numbers and looking at, at it every day to make a different decision. Like people oftentimes ask me, like, should I pay my house off or should I keep investing? And the, the, answer is almost always like you should definitely have your money in the market because it's going to be working harder for you. It's going to be making you more money instead of, you know, um, so that's technically what you should be doing, but is it the right thing for you to do? That's only, only you can make that decision. Like maybe there's reasons why you don't want that debt. It's easier for you to sleep at night. You had money issues as a kid and it's stressful and you dream of not having, not owing a bit of money. Is it worth paying off your home and not ever having a payment. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it is like nobody else can make that answer that question for you. That's all to say. I feel like sometimes um, we can so clearly see like what the right thing to do is money wise, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing for each individual. Have you ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the first thing that came to mind when you were describing that. So anybody Googling, or if you're on the road and you're not supposed to Google, that's illegal. Maslow's <laughs> hierarchy of needs is like, if you imagine a pyramid, at the bottom of the pyramid are the basic things for life, right? Like food, shelter, food and shelter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then as you go up the pyramid of the hierarchy of needs, you finally end at the tip of self-actualization. And so if we had this in a money lens, looking at it through a money, a financial lens, I would think, okay, like... Where are they on the hierarchy of needs? Are they, do they have $30,000 and they should invest or they should pay off their house? Or do they not even have a car yet? Right? Right. Like, where exactly. are they? So you have yes. to back out because like, it, is investing right for you right now? Oh, you're 17 years old and mm-hmm. you need your first like wardrobe to go to school or to go to your mm-hmm. first career job, right? You or need a laptop so you can exactly. get a job. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So it's not like this vehicle is always right all the time. Just like you're saying, you have to consider like zoom out. What are my other needs? What's, you know, what's the big grand scheme of things? So, yeah. 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 So tell us a little bit about your podcast and how faith, and I know you've already spoken a little bit about this, but where faith comes into it and how it continues to play a role in where you're headed financially. Absolutely. Um, I don't think there's anything better than being a part of something bigger than yourself. Like the self stinks. <laughs> like we're, mm-hmm. we're just these broken yeah. things all by ourselves, but a part of something bigger, it's pretty awesome. So I have a podcast called the Katie Hire show and my first season looks into some ancient scripture called, uh, the 31st chapter of Proverbs, which is a book in the Old Testament. And that chapter looks at what is wisdom. And the writer of this book of the Bible personifies wisdom and and as the Proverbs 31 woman. So I look at these texts and I do hot takes with them about current money issues. So like I talk about negotiating at work and I have my old bosses on to talk about um, oh, that's so cool. Can you get ahead during a recession? Um, yeah. You know, we talk about all sorts of fun stuff. Talk about uh, sex and money. Talk about yeah. budgeting hacks. We talk about all the fun money things there are to do with just like a mm-hmm. little bit of church thrown in there, but not judgy. 
more like yeah. uplifty. <laughs> yeah, I think that's awesome. Is there any part of scripture that was eye-opening for you when it came to money, like something surprising or I cannot believe that XYZ was said or insinuated within scripture about money? And Yeah, there's, yeah. There's this passage in a book called um, Second Kings, and essentially this widow has teenage sons, and she is in debt. I kind of imagine there's lots of holes in the Bible that I'm like, oh, okay, how did that happen or whatever? So I imagine her husband dies and leaves her with a bunch of debt because she is a widow, has two teenage sons, and she's in a bunch of debt. And she's in so much debt that the debtors are going to come and take her sons, and that is how they're going to... She, you know, write all of her accounts. So she runs in desperation to a holy man named Elijah. And she's like, please help me. I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. And, and you know, we might say, and I'm going to go bankrupt or they're going to evict me or they're going to take my car. But she was saying, and they're going to steal my sons, or, which by the way, were her only way of an income later. Like they, that old um, society structure was, you took care of your mama, mm-hmm. right? She was part of your responsibility. There was no social security. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so she's like, help, help, help. What am I going to do? And he goes, what do you have, woman? And she says, I have nothing. Everything is gone. And I have felt that way. And he uh-huh. goes, you don't have nothing. Go home. Ask all your... And he says, you don't have nothing. What do you really have? And she says... I've got one jar of olive oil. That's it. One jar of olive oil. And he's like, all right, listen, you and your sons go back home. Ask all your neighbors for some jars, go into your house and pour some olive oil into the jars and then sell the oil and pay off your debts. And she's like, it'll never work. But she does what he says. And she goes in to her house. She has her boys go and get neighbors jars. They come and they fill them up jar after jar, after jar, and the miracle of the oil spreads and fills all the jars. And she's like, give me another one, son. And he's like, I can't, Mom, there's no more jars. We've filled them all up. And she takes the jars, she sells them, and she's free. And I'm like, a miracle. How did this money miracle really happen? Like, the she, she went to church, and he said, hold on tight to your family. Yeah. Hold on tight to your community and work. Bam. That is how we look outside of ourselves, get hope around these crushing money failures that are going to eat us up and and get our miracle and get forward. Like, how do two kids who don't have a clue about anything pay off 200 grand? Focused on our family, focused on our community, and we worked. And it, yeah. it, it paid it off. And when I read that scripture, I was like, wow. It's all there. That's what you need. This is what we Mm -hmm. need. You know, when we feel isolated and alone and like nobody gets it. Yeah, Yeah. we get it. And it's what you all did. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did y'all end up having to work? How long did it take you while you were working like that? We were always trading out jobs. We were like, okay, taking in somebody else's dogs to ruin our furniture stinks. What can we do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, yes. what else is out there? What else is out there? Um, yeah. So let's see. Um, when did I quit my last side hustle? I'm trying to remember. Um, 
because we were always doing different things, right? I did photography. Yeah. I did babysitting. Um, wow. We... We For people considering <laughs> all, like, what do I go do to make more money with of all of that, or even new, like just seeing other people get out of debt now and like seeing all these new jobs available of all of that, what would you say? Like, Hey, dark dog sitting was really smart because it's flexible or, um, what would you recommend? Yeah. Well, the end of the last question is, I think we kept doing side hustles until our salaries finally turned into like things where my husband could do overtime mm-hmm. and, the snowball was running the snowball, the, the giant amount of money that we were putting on our debt at the end. And our best year, by the way, was $42,000 paying debt off Uh, until, until we did the cost benefit analysis and realized, okay, like it's better for me to stay home than to pay a babysitter. Cause I'm not going to make enough Mm -hmm. with five kids in babysitter costs for this side hustle to work. Um, but I think we did two and three jobs for like five years between, yeah, God. between all of it. Um, okay. And then what did you just ask me? I lost it. So of all, I know, sorry. Um, of all those jobs, what, like for people listening in who are like having, I think it's a hard decision. Like if you don't have some passion and you're like, I need money, like I need to, this is not for my passion because a lot of side hustles are, but for people who are trying to get out of debt and are looking for quick cash, what do you recommend? Man, the options are endless today. Yeah. When we started out, there was no remote work. Like that was weird, you know? Yeah. Uh, you, yes. you delivered pizzas, which do people even do that anymore? Or is that all drones today? You know, like I know, right? Or it soon will be. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. today the options are endless. Like back when we were trying to get out of debt, it was not as easy to find a side hustle. But today you can learn how to sell your stuff on Etsy. You can, yeah. you know, you can uh you can sell stuff online, you can build websites that make money, you can do all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. today. But mm-hmm. um yeah, my favorite side hustles were my favorite side hustles. Um, my skills made me the best money. So don't get paid. That's really wise. Don't get paid for what you do. Get paid for what you know. Yeah. And when I, when the light bulb finally went off, I was like, geez, why didn't I learn this in college 101? Uh, I didn't, I didn't pay a lot of attention in college. I think, (laughs) I think we established that. that. (laughs) That's, I don't think they taught that. That's very yeah. gracious of you. I appreciate that. So, <laughs> uh, when I finally figured that out, that I'm going to make more money with my skills than I'm going to make scooping poop, mm-hmm. I made more money. So I focused on doing uh, PR side hustles. I had some clients mm-hmm. who needed marketing stuff. I need people who uh, with who needed help building websites, that kind of thing. And I do that today. So if you go to katiehire.com, I can help you out. That's um, awesome. Katiehire.com. There you go. Um, but if you need those mindless things that you can do with kids, dog sitting and dog walking is great. Uh, so just think about your situation, dear listeners. Mm-hmm. Go for it. And childcare. Yeah. Yeah. What do you recommend with childcare when, especially when you're strapped for cash? I recommend to have a friend. You got to be a friend. Yeah. You know, when my friends said, can you please watch the kids? I always said yes. Mm-hmm. I always said yes. Bring them over. I'll feed them. Because yeah. A, I loved my friend and I loved her kids. And B, yeah. I was really hopeful that she would tell me the same. Yeah. I did not I did not have babysitting in the budget. So yeah. instead, I opened up my house. <clears throat> uh, so that's what I recommend. I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I love that. Well, your story is incredibly inspiring and I'm just so thankful. Thank you for talking with us twice now. I thought this was, it was just as like heartwarming and inspiring as it was the first time. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, Is there any, I think you mentioned your website, um, the podcast, if people want to get in touch with you to ask about any of the topics we've discussed, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, just hit me up on Instagram at Katie Heyer. Find me there. Easy peasy. Love it. Love it. Anything else that we didn't touch on that you want to share? You can do it. Listeners, if you want to invest and retire early, you can do it. It's just going to be a lot of hard work. And when y'all do retire early, you got to let me know. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Katie. You're welcome. My pleasure. Maybe we'll have a third conversation one day. Hopefully not. <laughs> not because of technical not difficulties. Because of, that's exactly <laughs> right. Not because of that. Knock on wood. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. That is it. That's the episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you do the Instagram thing, follow us at at Pitchwire. And for fresh episodes of What Kind of Money, Head to our website at pitchwirestudio.com or find it everywhere you podcast.